0: Hi and welcome once again to It's complicated. It's right at the beginning of the recording, but okay. okay. <laughs> From once we're actually I love started. the fact that
1: I, <laughs> I love the fact that we're always 80% of the recording is <laughs> me laughing. <laughs>
0: And welcome once again to It's Complicated, where the answer to every question is, it's complicated, including the name of this podcast, because it is complicated.
1: It is complicated. Hello, Josephine. How are you?
0: I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. See, that's the other podcast convention. You say, how are you doing? And the answer is actually, oh, really shit today. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say,
1: we've just spent the last 20 minutes sitting up for this, talking about how neither of us have slept, how mental health is falling apart, and how we're just not having a good day. And then we decide to record, and we're both like, we're fine. (laughs) We'll
0: put on our radio voices and go, we're fine, everyone. And you're fine, aren't you? That's why we're fine. And we're going to talk about fine fine things.
1: things.
0: No, we're a disaster.
1: So we are not fine. We are fucked up.
0: Why don't you introduce yourself and I can cut around this.
1: <laughs> I'm Dr. J. I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change and the gender, transgressive non-binary queer. You've probably listened to enough of the intros to know that I did that. And I'm a troublemaker and a queer nuisance. And I think I, I exist to make Josephine just go, oh, for fuck's sakes, every few minutes. Oh, for fuck's sake.
0: <laughs> did that one on purpose. <laughs> they usually just slip out, dear listener. Um, <laughs> yes, my name is Josephine Baird. I am one of your hosts. I'm also the editor of this current mess <laughs> of a podcast. <clears throat> uh, I'm a independent scholar, activist, and artist, and currently visual artist, drawing pictures of queers at home in Sweden and posting them upon the internet for your delectation and pleasure. Actually, uh, I, was, I watched Tim Curry this morning do, doing a, a song from Pirates of Penzance. Now that was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and if I wasn't queer as fuck already, well, that might have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was tremendously funny, which brings us on to our topic for today, which is, and I was gonna, I was gonna, now I was gonna hand this over to Doctor J, but what you can't see listeners, is that Doctor J was taking a large sip of a beverage. And I had to stall for time. Dr. J, what's our topic for today? Humour. Yes.
1: I love the way that you would, well, we, we originally started off trying to say satire, but I kept on hearing it as attire. And I'm like, but we've already discussed clothing. So therefore you have our first sense of humour of neither of us can really, we just have lots of fun with words. Pune um, or a play
0: on words. Apparently it's my my British accent coming through. I mean, we talk about satire not attire satire <laughs> satire satire make making more fun because we are fun when when you talk about satire and uh you know when you see this a lot in uh, when comedians get caught out for saying something absolutely horrible and they'll say oh, but it's a joke, or can't you take a joke, or it's satire, and it's like, well, that doesn't explain away the fact that you're not actually critiquing a position of power or critiquing something that's really, really detrimental or tragic. In fact, you're just making fun of people who are usually vulnerable, who are different, who you don't like very much, and you presume the audience is on your side, so it's about the subject in that regard as well, like, you know, the the notion of punching up and punching down. If you're if you're actually being, uh, if you're talking about comedians or you're talking about satire, there's a really big difference between the two. And I have a very strong opinion about that because <laughs> I mean, you know, you said is, these...
1: is this maybe from growing up as a child in the '80s and being subjected to the massive amounts of homophobia and transphobia in every single fucking mainstream comedy movie? It's possible. Maybe this maybe this is cha- has put some kind of lens that we're looking through the world at
0: it's funny that and it's funny how that still carries on you see the thing is it hasn't stopped and that's uh, I used to I mean if you ever want to sort of know about this talk to any trans or queer person you know and ask them about some popular sitcom that's been going for say more than three or four seasons because they'll tell you that sooner or later they're all waiting for I'm waiting for it you're waiting for it the episode when they have some horrible transphobic joke, or they make fun of somebody—it's—it's—it's almost completely predictable, you know. And it, and it's uh, and it's amazing when it happens, and it always seems to happen, and it's really really painful. And one of the difficulties about being trans, queer, non-binary, is that you might eventually see your favorite show, your favorite author, your favorite book, and I'm going to be very careful about who I'm referring to here. Say something, do something that demonstrates how much they don't like you or don't care about you
1: this is why we can't have nice things we're not included in the power structures that are going into making these movies shows whatever so we're other it's it's all about that structure of if we're not included if we're not at the table then we can't say hey that that joke is homophobic or transphobic or queerphobic or you know making fun of somebody for using they as a pronoun wow that's so fucking edgy yeah
0: so boring and that's the other that's... thing those jokes are, the, the thing about those jokes and when when you see them over and over again i have a thing because i have been on occasion a professional a comedian dear listener i have stood on stage trying to make drunk people laugh for money it's exciting let me tell you um And you learn real quick that the only thing that you can do up there is be funny and be original, be sharp, be clever. And the problem with these jokes, whenever you see them on a sitcom, it'd be one thing if they were actually original and clever and funny, (laughs) but they're not. It's always the same trope. And it's reproduced completely. um, It's like a photocopy. Ad nauseum, mm. the same joke over and over again. And you see it also in, in these Twitter wars or, or banter around whenever a trans person comes out and says, you know, I feel like I need to transition. I identify or I feel like I am this gender. And then somebody says, well, I identify as an attack helicopter. And it's, it's now become so constant that you hear that joke. It's become, it literally has the name, the joke now in certain trans mm. communities. You'll hear, oh, it's the joke. So, the joke. so yeah. bigots who might accidentally have tuned in, I'm not entirely sure what you were expecting, but here's a little tip. If you're going to be a bigot and try to be funny, come up with new material. Don't steal jokes. That's wrong. Or at least reference your bigotry. Okay. Really important. Citate, citations, cite your bigotry. Don't plagiarize. But yeah, I mean, you get that sometimes, you know, people, this is from comedians or people online, they'll just say, can't you take a joke? And there's an excellent video essay by um, Noah Colwell Gervais. I want to say, I'm sorry, if I got your name wrong, I'll find it. And I'll, Josephine of the future will correct me most sternly if I got it wrong. (laughs) Josephine of the future here. Uh, Noah Caldwell Gervais is listed as that or Noah Gervais at different points on the internet. So I apologize personally if we got your name wrong and you're listening to this. If you are, please know that I very much enjoy your video essays. If you let us know what name you prefer, we will change it. Thank you very much. Back to you, Josephine of the past. <laughs> um He's looking at um, comedy and video games and specifically those that are, quote, edgy. And he makes this point, which I really like, you know, and he says, you know, when people say, can't you take a joke? No, what you really mean is, can't you take another joke, another reiteration of the same joke that makes you small, that is horribly racist or sexist, homophobic, ableist, you name it. Can't you take another joke from me? That's what you're saying. It's not... Can you take a joke? It's like, can't you take it again and again and again and over again and again? Because that's what it is.
1: It's not laughing at a person for who they actually are. It's not laughing at a person for being the straight man in the room.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's the thing about laughter and comedy that's so interesting is that, you know, it, it encapsulates so many things and therefore is very complicated. Laughter can be that moment of trying to, Uh, break an awkward moment that kind of laugh or the sort of laughter of trying to mollify someone who you think might actually be quite dangerous um it can be a laughter of recognition it can be a laughter of pain and sadness but of empathy at the very same time you know the things that make you laugh sometimes it's you know you laugh because otherwise you'd be crying you know we Mm. we tell dark humorous jokes about our experience i will tell my story of uh the people who shout names at me in the street and how they get them wrong and how I'm I can't, you know, call after them and say, no, 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 I'm a trans dyke, not a not a fag, sir. Please, please be proud. <laughs> be proud of your bigotry. You know, do not do not get it wrong. Get it right. And and of course I would not do that. And it's funny and we're laughing. I hope, because that's my job sometimes, because we're recognizing it and we empathize. And I'm talking about someone who has power over me, who's shouting at me, who's dangerous, who scares me. And I'm telling a joke in order to tell that story so that you know, the story remains visible to some degree, because of course, it's invisible in society for the most part. And I'm telling it to a community of people often who, if they don't know, they can share in the mirth and learn something and they they laugh sort of out of awkwardness and and empathy. And for those of us in the same community who've experienced the same things, maybe we laugh in recognition and we can come together over that. And that's the kind of thing that I really like, is the observational humor that is directed at a target which deserves it for a start and (laughs) hopefully brings people together in recognition and empathy and not just casts someone out for derision or or disrespect
1: i mean my stuff when i've attempted to do things that are funny it's always been much more surreal it's been somebody taking something dreadfully seriously and having the audience laugh at that situation that's that's happening like one of the characters I played, I think was one of the first ones that Josephine and I played together on stage was Professor Debonair, who gives this very pompous talk and is an academic in all the worst ways and comes across as this absolute idiot and yet I do everything as straight with as deadpan as humanly possible while saying these most ridiculous, bizarre things. That's about setting up situations where you can recognize somebody who's in power. You can recognize the academic who's writing about queer lives and see them having the piss taken out of them. And yet they're not being played for laughs. They're being played up to tell part of our story as well is what I was trying for anyway.
0: No, and I think you succeeded. And I think it's a really good explanation of something that, I mean, I, I am an academic and a, and a scholarly nerd. And one of the things that I studied was philosophy and how to form an argument. It's really quite useful. And one of the key tenets of trying to break down an argument that you disagree with, that I've always really liked. And I use in my comedy as much as possible is the, I'm going to use Latin here, I apologize, ad absurdum, to take an argument to its absurd conclusion. You can show that something doesn't work if you take it to its final conclusion and demonstrate how absurd it is to the audience. And that's why jokes are funny, absurdity, right? So if you take a figure of you know, some renowned who has power, who who has the power to define. An academic, say, who is studying queer people and gets it tremendously wrong and is incredibly pompous and has a very high opinion of themselves. You can show how absurd they are simply by reproducing their rhetoric as straight as possible in a queer club. And everybody can laugh in recognition, in empathy, even in some sadness and trauma. And (laughs) you can satirize the character, because you take them to their absurd extreme. My character, which I did with it, is another academic called Miss File or Miss Defile. Her first name is Dorothy, so she's Miss Defile because you know names. Names of characters always have to be, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, she does exactly the same thing. She reproduces anti-gender, anti-feminist, anti-trans, anti-queer rhetoric in the most pompous, ridiculous way she possibly can in front of queer audiences to take her argument to the absurd extreme. And I hope that it's funny because it's absurd. And that's the satire. And that's the the element of satirical comedy, which I do, I adore so dearly and is so powerful that it can puncture those rhetorics. And at least even if we can't use it to fight those powers, we can talk to each other. And we can share those stories in a way that we're not able to do in other mainstream environments.
1: So one of the things of Josephine's performance, and hopefully it's online somewhere of Misty File, with the register your complaint and leave. Because my Maria and I still use it occasionally when something happens and we'll go register your complaint and leave. It's that thing when you know that humour has worked really well. When you repeat it, it's like picking up a line from somewhere and it becomes shorthand for something within a group. It becomes shorthand for something.
0: For, for the listeners who haven't seen me perform that particular piece, Miss Defile uh, gives a lecture on the evils of burlesque dancing. Um, not when, of course, it's normal and perfectly safe heterosexual burlesque dancing for the gentlemen in the audience. Uh, But if it is queer burlesque where gender roles are being challenged and is being performed in front of audiences of multiple genders, my goodness heavens. And uh, her line was that if you should ever see such a horrifying queer, and this is of course where she gets excited, horrifying queer moment, one must and then immediately raise your hand with a finger pointed at the ceiling, register your complaint, and leave quietly. And of course, those two <laughs> things are completely at, at, at odds with each other and therefore absurd. <laughs> because she herself cannot cannot register a complaint because she's a, a, a proper lady who would never do such a thing. Um, but she must do so now in a in a way that... You know, know, the absurdity of the situation, the competing discourses are driving her to sexual frenzy and then try to leave. Uh, The ending of that performance for you listeners uh, is her demonstrating the burlesque dancing and becoming so excited she manages to remove all of her clothing by complete accident, finding finding herself quite naked in front of an audience at the end, um, surprised. (laughs) Unlike anyone else in the audience.
1: (laughs) One of the things that I love about the comedy that we both love is that it takes away the power of some of that nasty discourse because having, having friends who are burlesque dancers, having friends who are strippers, having friends who are sex workers and then having people say, oh, no, that's not proper work. Or how can you be, you know, how can you support such people? You know, they're just being exploited. And, and all of those things really, the comedy takes the power away from those endless discussions that you seem to end up having.
0: You, you see it in literature. I mean, again, <laughs> scholarly nerd here. Um, there is theory of drag. I know someone
1: who does that, by the way, uh, Dr. Joe, now Dr. Joe Parslow, our lovely friend, uh, hashtag boyfriend, now spouse, Joe, uh, and writes about drag and performance
0: in London. Perfect. The theories of drag that I won't go into too deeply here, because obviously we have a an expert in the extended queer family of connections, often can devolve to conversations of, well, drag's not feminist. It's parodying femininity of women, and it's like... Bad drag can occasionally do that. Yes. Like all bad comedy can be horrible. Like any medium can be turned into something horrible. Good drag, on the other hand, can be a celebration of gender identity. It can be a critique of gender norms and how they're forced upon us. It can be all those things at the same time in the most spectacular way and in a format that is different and can capture moments that other mediums can't. So scholarly work that excludes us so often, that doesn't include us in terms of actual academics who are trans or non-binary, are few and far between in the academy, and we're often misrepresented, whereas we can represent ourselves on stages and bars in ways that scholars simply can never do because they don't have the language for it. And satire Mm. can provide a short, pithy-to-the-point political and theoretical argument in such a way that you can understand it whilst pissed in a bar.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I,
0: I think that's a skill.
1: <laughs> completely. And I have to say that I have nothing but respect for the drag performers who can do that. And so humor is complicated and situational, but also the best humor is inclusive. The best humor allows people within the room to laugh at the same and not feel that somebody that the room is laughing at a particular person
0: or a group of people. It's incredibly talented people who can do that. There's an amazing video of Trevor Noah doing a routine in oh god I can't remember the there's a famous oh god, there's a famous performance comedy stage which I have forgotten and I can't believe I have future Josephine help me out. The comedy stage that. Past Josephine Can't Remember is The Apollo. So look up Trevor Noah Apollo on YouTube and you'll find it. Back to you. Oh, thank you. I knew she would be good for that. Yeah, so watch Trevor Noah performing at The Apollo. And you will see the most amazing, brilliant piece of comedy performance in which he explains his racial background coming from South Africa during a time of apartheid in a way that takes a really, really heavy, heavy, heavy topic, making it tremendously funny, relatable and recognizable to the audience. Now, don't get me wrong, people can laugh at something and leave and forget that they, you know, cared during that moment. But that particular performance just demonstrates it so perfectly. It presents an idea which I really believe in. I've done a lot of work being an activist trying to convince people who don't hold the same opinions that I do to do things for us when they have no reason to. So you're talking to a politician or social services, trying to convince them that perhaps they want to do things differently, because it would, you know, respect the rights of people who deserve to have their rights respected. You'd think that would be quite normal, but it's no, it's difficult. To make your point, sometimes using humor can help Get your point across. It can disarm the room. It can make the person like you more, of course. But it can also, as I said, show the absurdity of something. And when the person laughs, they're laughing because they know what you're talking about. It's a moment of recognition. So I know if I tell a joke to someone who may not have the same opinion as I do, if they laugh, they must agree on some level with what I'm saying. They must understand it on some level because they wouldn't laugh otherwise. So in a way, I see a laugh as a political tool to get someone to agree with me or to see my side of things. You ask who the satire is for. Is it to puncture them? Or are you talking to other people? And do you want a moment of recognition to at least say, no, you're not. You are not wrong. You have not somehow been... You're not the only one. You do know what it's like and i can tell you what it's like because i can make a joke that doesn't reference the person doesn't reference the thing but you still recognize what i'm talking about and in that sense the satire can be for all of us and not necessarily Mm. the person who it is unfortunately directed at someone who empowers someone who is being horrible and is a proper target for satire
1: one of my favorite satires is the thick of it which shows the craziness of the inside of what's going on, all the politician machinations, all the press guys. But there, sadly, the writers cannot keep up with reality. Like, they imagine situations and then they look at what's actually going on and go, we we could not write this this crazy. We could not write things as mad as Brexit and things like that. And I think that satire has almost become a lost art in places like the UK because it's so despairing or I feel like it's so despairing, especially when you're in a minority that you don't know whether to laugh or cry. You can't make jokes about it because the jokes are so dark and not that I'm against dark jokes because quite frankly, my sense of humor is incredibly black, but they're just isn't any humour to be found in some of the situations anymore. It's almost gone that far that, that you, you can't find fun in it.
0: To laugh about that may be impossible. And yet our community has often used comedy to puncture the most horrific moments, the most horrific experiences, but not because they're trying to somehow diminish them, but because they're trying to survive them.
1: And it's humour being used to make sense, to, to also share amongst a group to contribute to that shared understanding and that shared knowledge that you are not alone going through this. There are other people going through this with you and it's going to be okay because we're going to get through this together.
0: Sometimes that comedy is about a description of a common tragedy, a common trauma.
1: Oh, I can totally, I can totally go for that. I mean, like you said, it's taking that humor to make them, the most of a dark situation. It is being able to make light of that incredible darkness and that incredible tragedy that's happening. And it's having that shorthand.
0: Use a couple of phrases that I I think can be applied to a lot of queer comedy, which is uh, making light of, taking the tension out of, recognition, worry. These are the things that we have to live with day in, day out. You can't step out of that. It's not a trauma that finishes. It's not like, oh, I was in a car crash, but the car crash is now over. Oh, I'll be fine. No, it's the constant fear of going outside and being different. Will I get fired today for being who I am? Will I ever get a job again? Will I be shouted at going down the street? These are horrific, horrific thoughts that go through people's heads constantly, day in, day out. So what do you do with that? You, you, the tension has to find release somehow. You can either become extremely unwell, which is possible.
1: Do not, do not recommend, would not buy again.
0: Um, to find those moments of humor, of recognition, those moments of joy to share rather than to fall in and over and over again into those moments of depression and anxiety, which are so commonplace in our community because we have to live in an environment that is so dangerous, that is so antagonistic. So humor provides that release.
1: And having a joke that everyone in the audience understands also provides that sense of inclusion and that sense of safety. This is the sort of space where I can hear a kind of joke that includes me, that doesn't single me out, that doesn't make fun of who I am, that recognizes how shit the world is, and I can laugh about it. And when I laugh at it, other people in the room are laughing at it, and I can feel that sense of, belonging I can feel that sense of these are people who are breathing with me these are people who I can relax with and I can go yeah these things they're happening to more than just me and we can laugh about them it is complicated
0: it is complicated but it's also very simple it brings you together it can be inclusive There are certain rules to follow the comedy that allows comedy to function extremely well. And those rules, sometimes they can feel nebulous and weird and complicated, but it's not that hard. Being a great comedian, being funny, professionally is hard, Mm. but making a joke that can include other people. It's all about recognition and honesty and inclusion and pointing your derision in the correct direction, which is not at those Upwards. who are vulnerable. <laughs> it's those yeah. who are making other people vulnerable.
1: Again, it comes back to that, but from when we are discussing misgendering and mispronouncing, we can always tell when it's done with intent and when it's done by accident. You can tell when a joke has a good intent maybe hasn't quite landed right, maybe has tripped over its feet on the way in and not in a good slapstick way, has just kind of tripped over and fallen on the floor. You can always tell where the intent was and where the intent wasn't. And good humor is good humor.
0: And Good humor is good humor, which is, I think, the best place to leave a complicated discussion about humor. Good humor is good humor. And we've agreed that this is the case. This tautology is real. And that is how we have simplified and solved the problem of humor. You're welcome. You're so welcome. (laughs) You're so full of shit. Uh, So, Dr. J, what are we going to talk about next week? Don't say it. (laughs)
1: the unlimited potential of horror.
0: Wow, that sounds like a fun topic. And that was sarcasm. And that might be the topic we use.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's been fun. As always, it's been It's been
0: fun. It's always fun with you, Dr. J. Thank you for listening this week and every week that you choose to join us. We're incredibly grateful. If you enjoyed today's podcast, support us on Patreon so we can make more great things happen. Patreon.com slash complicated, all one word. And you can see our lovely faces there and the art that I designed for our logo. If you can't afford it or you just can't do it or you don't want to, no problem at all. We are very grateful for your attention anyway. And please do join us next week for another It Is Complicated.
1: I'm good? Sounds really good. Shall we kill that one there? <laughs> Let's kill that. <get it> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like, Like that joke about J.K. Rowling that we're just murdering once a week.